of Jesus. Amen. All right, kids, before you head upstairs, quick announcement for you and your parents, all right? If you are age four all the way through the fifth grade in Redemption Kids, next Sunday is a special Sunday for you because you get to stay in the big service, all right? So just know that next week, parents, fifth Sunday of the month, uh, we're going to have the kids in here with us. They get to participate in the full service. Um, and then after that, it's, it's a regular uh, Redemption Kid week. So now, kids, you can head upstairs to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And the rest of you can open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Luke. We will be in chapter 4 today. And as you turn there, uh, I want to welcome all of our guests, whether you are uh, here for the, the first time, the second time, the third time. We are so thankful. You came on a special Sunday. Good job. I don't know if that was because a friend invited you or you just happened to show up. God wanted you here this morning. We know and believe that. And uh, we're so thankful that you're here. We would love for you to take a moment and fill out our digital connect card. You can find that on our app. And uh, it's just our way of getting to know you. Uh, we want to send you a little shout out uh, through the week. Uh, thanking you for joining us. And uh, today, as we come together for our 11th anniversary celebration, we are here to celebrate God's goodness to our church over the past 11 years. Yes, I heard a woo, and we've already clapped. Well, we can clap again. It's so, so encouraging. You know, it's wild to think how uh, back in the summer of 2010, there were seven adults that landed in Medford with one goal, and that was to point as many people to Jesus as we possibly could and see a new church born called Redemption Hill. And about a year later, we launched our first services in 2011 uh, to, to give space for people all over the greater Medford area to come and to gather and worship and get to know who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And since that time, we have had a front row seat to the work of God among us and through us as a church family. Some of the highlights that John was talking about, like an Insta story just popping up one after the other. We've seen dozens of people step into the life of Christ for the first time. We've seen hundreds of people that have come uh, to worship on Sundays and then gather in groups throughout the week, serve with teams, live on mission right where God has placed them. That journey has included four different Sunday locations. And we're praying in the next 11 years, not God, please don't let it take 11, that he's going to provide our own building 24-7 where we don't have to rent the high school. It's great to rent the high school. But, you know, where we're going to have our own building to worship in. And as part of those 11 years, we've preached through 22 books of the Bible. If you're good at math, we're a third of the way through preaching through the books of the Bible. We've served our city, and listen, our city has taken notice. I don't share this to boast or brag, but just to brag on the people known as Redemption Hill. Most of, of them probably are no longer here today, but twice we have been named Medford's Community Partner of the Year. First by the Medford Housing Authority, and then by the Mystic Valley YMCA, which was formerly the Boys and Girls Club. We've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've prayed, and then we've prayed some more. We've seen friendships formed, broken people restored, and hundreds of RHC members sent out all over the globe to live out the values of gospel, community, and mission. 
speaking of the world, we've sent collectively over a half a million dollars to God's work beyond the walls of Redemption Hill. And again, this is all evidence of God's power and grace at work among us. We are simply ordinary people who know and follow an extraordinary God. And this doesn't even include making it through a global pandemic. And I really believe coming out stronger on the other side. This is only because of God's grace. We are not a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, please don't come back next Sunday. It would not be a good idea. But... We do follow a perfect God, and he is changing us day by day, week by week, year by year. And we are a church that is on the move because Jesus is on the move. That's where I want to take us in God's word this morning as we look at Luke chapter 4, verses 42 through 44. We see Jesus on the move. Listen to what Luke writes for us. It says this, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. To the other towns as well. Why, Jesus? For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. I have two anniversary encouragements for you today, all right? And these two encouragements, listen, they hold the power to launch us into the next 11 years. And just for the record, I'm planning, I'm planning on being around for all 11 of those. I hope you are too. All right, so, so I hope you'll pay attention. And even if God sends you somewhere else in the world, okay, you can take these encouragements with you as you follow Jesus wherever he leads. Okay, the first one is this. We need to move in ministry. Ministry just means serving in the kingdom of God and, and, and showing people God's love in a variety of ways that he leads us to do that. But we move in ministry from the place of intimacy. Move in ministry from the place of intimacy to appreciate what verse 42 is saying when it says that Jesus departed and went to a desolate place. We need to back up to verse 31 through 41 and understand what has just happened in the life of Jesus the day before. So we find in verse 31 that Jesus was in his home base. You could probably call it his hometown of Capernaum. And he went to the synagogue and he was proclaiming with authority the good news of the kingdom of God. He had so much authority that the demons were like freaking out a bit. And so one kind of starts acting crazy and Jesus tells him to leave the person that he had been oppressing. But that's not all. As soon as he leaves the synagogue, he goes to one of his closest disciples' uh, house, Peter. And there, Peter's mother-in-law was sick. 
Now, he knows, because he's a good friend to Peter, if you have a mother-in-law who is sick, like, he not only wants to help the mother-in-law, but he wants to help Peter by helping Peter's mother-in-law, right? And so Jesus knows that she has this high fever. And so he stands over her and simply rebukes the fever, and she is healed instantaneously. She rises up and begins to do her thing there in the home. But that's not all. As we go to verse 40, look at what verse 40 says. If you have your Bible open, look at this. It says, now when the sun was setting, all same day, synagogue, demon possessed, Peter's mom. Okay, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. I mean, if you want to talk about a packed, crazy, busy day in the life of someone, just look at the life of Jesus. It says that, did you catch that? It says that the healings didn't even start to happen until day was done. I mean, dusk hits, it settles, and now they're bringing the whole town to Jesus. And by the way, we shouldn't assume it's just like, hey, he just looked at them, and then they walked out, and they were healed, okay? He, Jesus loved people. This wasn't a show. And so he was getting to know their names if he didn't know their name. And he was loving them and putting his hands on them in an affirming way, praying over them and seeing them walk out the door changed. We can't know how much sleep Jesus got that night, but we can guesstimate that it was probably only a few hours, if that. And so when we get to verse 42 and it says, and when it was day, Jesus departed from there and went to a desolate place. Now we understand what's happening. But even more detail is given in the gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, this is what Mark records for us. It says in the same account of the same story, Mark says this, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus got to the place of silence and solitude so that he could spend time with his dad. Jesus knew that prayer, listen, please understand this. Prayer is so much more than getting stuff. I mean, God, like God, God owns it all. He sees it all. He can do it all. And so God is happy for us to make requests and ask for things that we believe are important. But prayer is so much more than asking for stuff. Prayer is even so much more than simply coming to God and saying a few praises or thanksgiving or confessing our sin or praying for the people around us. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is conversation. God the Son wanted to spend intimate time with God the Father. So he got away from the crowds so that he could pray. Yes, Jesus and the Father enjoyed conversation throughout the day. There's no doubt about it. He alludes to this in the Gospel of John all over the place. But we need to understand that there is something different about quality time with God that is quiet and undistracted. We like to talk about focused face-to-face -face time with God, that when you, when you steal away and you spend some time with God just personally, like, like a, a son or daughter to a father, like a friend to a friend, 
It's like face-to-face time, the greatest friendship that we should enjoy in this life. God wants to have it with us. And if we were to read the gospel of Luke moving forward, we would see that this was not a one-off for Jesus. You know, this was like, hey, he was just having a good spiritual morning. He went to pray before it was, you know, the sun was all the way up and all this. No, no, no. Jesus made it the habit of his life to spend this kind of time with his father. Before he selected his 12 closest followers, he prayed all night. Before he asked his disciples the question of all questions, who do you say I am? He was praying alone, Luke 9, 18. When his glory shined like a trillion watt light, he was praying, Luke 9, 28. Before Jesus endured the greatest suffering the world has ever known, he was praying, Luke 22. 42. The place of prayer provided the fuel for his mission. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. The place of prayer provided the fuel for his mission. This was the place where he received clarity of vision. Jesus did nothing apart from the Father's direction. This was the place where he also received power. Jesus did nothing apart from the Father's strength. And what this teaches us is this. Listen, the more we connect to God's heart in the place of prayer, the more we will be equipped to understand and fulfill his purposes for us. And I find it very interesting that after a wildly successful day, Jesus, rather than, you know, I don't know, you can speak for yourself. I'm just going to speak for me, okay? If I had just taught with authority, cast out a demon, healed Peter's mom and the whole town, whoever was sick, A, I'm probably sleeping in the next morning. And B, as soon as I wake up, I'm probably going to Instagram to share some highlights with everyone so everyone can know, hopefully, how great God is. But sometimes we get mixed up in that too, right? But but rather than basking in the victory of yesterday's stories, Jesus wakes up and he goes to spend time with God the Father. And before he finishes the conversation, he begins to hear footsteps rumbling in the distance. The end of verse 42 says this, and the people sought him. He's in the desolate place. He's away praying. Perhaps he's on his knees, on his face, just conversing with the heavenly father. And I don't know. I mean, Jesus was a human being. Uh, He was fully God, but also fully man. And so I just wonder, in this maybe sanctified imagination, if Jesus didn't hear the footsteps and he didn't say, Father, really? Like, like they're they're coming this quickly? I've only been away for a few hours, and now here they are chasing me down again. But look at how Jesus responds. He says this, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. The 
seen here outside of Capernaum shows us that we not only must move in ministry from the place of intimacy, but we must also be driven by a heavenly vision. The people get to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, what you did yesterday was amazing. And so why don't you come back into Capernaum because you are the talk of the town and everyone wants to see you. And you, like the teaching that you gave us yesterday, like you could do that as many days in a row as you want. Like everyone wants to hear you. Everyone wants to be with you. Everyone wants you to touch them, to heal them. Please stay. I can see one begging him with the most eloquent words they can find. Another one is pulling on his arm, perhaps so hard that his shoulder almost goes out of socket. Jesus, Jesus, please stay. But Jesus smiles and then says with steely determination, I must. I must. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. This is why I showed up. This is why I'm here. This is why I left the glory of heaven to show up in the form of a baby and to live among you and to live like you and to suffer like you suffer. What God wants to do, not just in Capernaum, but all throughout this region is too good. It is too important not to share. Jesus was driven by a heavenly vision. He was compelled by a divine purpose that kept him free from distraction by competing agendas. And how many of you know in your life, you see this in your workplace, you see this in all over the place, there are always competing agendas. I mean, sometimes it's not coming from the outside as much as it is coming from the inside. God, I know you're calling me to do this. I know I was sent for this purpose, but God, I really just want to sleep in today. I really want to just go to the garden and watch the Celtics another time. You know, it's just like Jesus was so focused. He says, I must. This communicates a sense of urgency. This was a, a compulsion that he felt down deep in his soul that he would not be deterred. He says, I must, must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. No doubt Jesus was very interested in healing people. No doubt Jesus was very interested in delivering people from their spiritual oppression. This is also why he came. Just go back and read Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Jesus cares about all of us. God made all of us, and he cares about our physical being and our mental and emotional being and our spiritual being. But what we see here is that the priority, what was most important, is that Jesus said, I have to communicate the good news to which, listen, to which... All of the physical healings and spiritual deliverances point people to. Every good work, every good deed, every sign and wonder 
is simply meant to not only, yes, bring healing in the moment to the person in need, but it is also designed to point people to the greater story that God wants every single one of us to experience. Perhaps this is new news for you, and you can experience it for the first time today. The good news is what we, where we get our word gospel from. It, it is the news that God has opened his arms and is extending an invitation to every person on the planet, no matter their age, ethnicity, background, social status, or identity. God wants us to be a part of his kingdom. And I know we don't live in a kingdom in America. And it's like, hey, who wants a king? Because we want to be kings and queens. We want to call the shots. It's popular now. Oh, that's king. You're the queen. You're the king. You're this and that. And that we get that. It's cool. You call each other whatever. But we want that in part because we don't want any other king over us. But God is the king. And he's the kind of king that we're actually all looking for. Listen, listen to what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God refers to, listen, God's benevolent and perfect reign. His, his R-E-I-G-N. His reign over all things. It is the realm where everything we long for is the forever reality. I'm going to say that again for you. The kingdom of God refers to God's benevolent and perfect reign, the realm where everything we long for is the forever reality. So this is why Jesus is saying, this, this, if I can deliver this, what every heart longs for, to, to all these other people in all these other towns, this is what I must do. And because this is what I must do, because this is why I was sent into the world, this is what I am going to do. And Jesus, one thing I love about him, which is so much different than me half the time, Jesus didn't just talk a good game. He went and lived it. This is what verse 44 is about. It just very simply summarizes his next moves. And what does it say? It says, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. What, what is that? It's Jesus preaching the good news of the kingdom of God to all the other towns as well. As we consider the life and mission of Jesus... How he moved in ministry from the place of intimacy. How he was driven by a heavenly vision. We must ask ourselves, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us today, October 23rd, 2022? And thankfully, listen, Jesus has not left us to a guessing game to figure out the answer to that question. In fact, he's already answered it with his words in John chapter 20, verse 21. Because right before he was going to ascend back to the Father, after he rose from the dead, he's hanging out with his disciples, and he says these words to them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As God the Father sent me in the world to walk among you and live among you and to bring the good news of this kingdom that you, he wants everyone to be a part of. 
Now I am sending you out with the same mission and purpose. This simple scene in the desolate place with the determined Christ resolved to be about the vision of the Father gives us this lesson. Jesus is on the move. And because Jesus is on the move, we must move with him. We must move with him. Listen, Jesus is moving. Jesus is moving. Listen, whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not, Jesus is moving. Jesus is moving in our city. Jesus is moving in your workplace, in our neighborhood. I know it doesn't seem like it so often. But God goes before us. God is working and he wants us to move with him. As Pastor John was praying before the service, Jesus is moving. And the question is, will we get left behind? I love what another scholar said, uh, commenting on the book of Hebrews. He said that, that the kingdom of Christ is advancing and Jesus is moving. And to stand still is to fall behind. And so what do we see? What, what, what does this look like for us as a church if the mission of God, God moving, God coming after us to bring us back into a relationship with him, if that's his heart, then how does that shape our heart as individuals and as a church family as we move forward over the coming years? And our staff team did a really amazing job working together to identify what is our 2030 vision for us as a church. We've shared this a couple times this year. It's a perfect Sunday to bring it back up because Jesus is on the move and he invites us to move with him. So what do we see? What's our 2030 vision? This is what it's all about. Okay, we see a multiplication movement spreading across greater Medford as 755,000 People restlessly wait for the hope of Jesus. Fueled by our pursuit of God and filled with his spirit, we will make disciples who urgently lead others from spiritual apathy to abundant life. As people taste freedom, joy, true freedom, joy will fill living rooms, classrooms, and conference rooms. By 2030, we will see dozens of new groups and at least three new churches cover the map. This vision will come alive through bold prayer and action. We will impact lives from New England to the nations. I mean, this is not a long statement. But I hope it gets your heart beating just a little bit faster. Let me break it down for you for a couple minutes. Okay, number one, there are 755,000 people within a five-mile radius of Medford. And guess what? Every single one of them matters to God. Every single one of them. There is not, you are not going to walk out of this high school and see people driving around from the soccer fields or rolling into, you know, your favorite lunch spot or whatever. And your eyes are not going to fall on someone who God doesn't love and cares about. 
And if Jesus were here today, he would say, look, hey, it's great to be at Redemption Hill. Man, I'm glad you guys know about me. I'm glad you're bringing other people to find out about who I am. But guess what? I'm on the move. I am going out to let more people know about who I am. And this vision is going to move as we move in ministry from the place of intimacy. What do we say? We are fueled by our pursuit of God and filled with his Holy Spirit. This is how it's going to happen. This is how people are going to move as they find out about Christ from spiritual apathy to abundant life in Jesus Christ. And the impact is going to be felt all over our city. Classrooms, conference rooms, living rooms. They're all going to be changed. We're going to see new groups and at least three new churches cover the map over the next eight years. This is our prayer. And this vision will come alive through bold prayer and bold action. We will impact lives from New England to the nation. This very short statement captures what we want to see. And we believe that God's power is going to make it come to life. And yet, as we reflect on this vision, it's great, it's awesome. But it's a paragraph, and there is even more than we want to see. And so this summer, uh, many of you know, if you've been around Redemption Hill very long, uh, through the wisdom uh, and coaching of a mentor several years ago, uh, I started to take a spiritual retreat day about once every three months. And this summer, uh, it was time for my retreat day, and, and usually I'll pray about, hey, God, what is it, is there something you want me to pray about? Is there something you want me to kind of dig into your words, study? W what is it that, that you want when I'm spending focused face-to-face -face time with you all day? And, and, and I, I sensed that God wanted me to pray into just what is his vision for my life personally? Like, who, who is the, the child of God that God wants me to be? Who, who am I as a seeker of God? What, what kind of life am I living as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a pastor, as a citizen of this community? And so I spent some time in one of my favorite spots in Rhode Island. And about two hours later, this is what my journal looked like. This is the vivid vision for my life, July 1st, 2025, what my life looks like in three years. And needless to say, I know you can never read this. I mean, I can barely read it. My handwriting is so illegible. But, um, you know, this, this, drives, this, gets, this wakes me up every day. This gives, gives me just an excitement to pursue God's purposes for me and the kind of Jesus follower that I want to be in every area of my life. And so as I was processing this, immediately I said, wow, God, this time with you was so special. I want to do the same thing for Redemption Hill. And so that day I went to my journal and I drew out the kind of same mental map. And two months later, this is what it looked like. Now, there are some reasons for this, other things going on, other priorities, vacation for a couple weeks. Like, but the fall was coming. And so, you know, I just, I want to get some thoughts down on paper. And so, on the morning of August 30th, I uh, grabbed a quick cup of coffee at Tampa, not bad. And then I walked up the backside of Tufts campus to the roof at Tisch Library. It's beautiful, by the way. It's open to the public, I guess. 
I guess you can crash the campus at Tufts. Can you, Tufts students? That's fine. Yeah, thank you. You know, vi visit the campus, t tell still college students, way to go, smart people, you know, keep doing your thing. Um, and so it's just beautiful, be one of the most beautiful uh, views of the skyline of Boston. It's a place where before we even landed in Medford, John can tell you, Marsha and Lee can tell you, we would go up there and pray for our city and pray for the work that God was going to do in Medford. And so I got to thank Tufts University because they uh, bought these Adirondack chairs and uh, there was one up there. So I like, I pulled it over to the view. I was just chilling, laying back and praying. And then I just wrote a thought. And I wrote another thought and another thought and thought after thought after thought kept coming. And about 45 minutes later, this is what I had we are a church on the move. We excel at bringing people in and taking people into new depths with Jesus. When people think of Redemption Hill, they think God is in that place. He is in those people. They know power because they pray. They know and believe God has called his house a house of prayer. Faith, joy, and excitement mark their pursuit. They live with a holy anticipation, a zeal for God, a zeal for people to know God, a zeal for the glory of God to run free all over their city. While they throw wild celebrations over one person who comes home, they quickly move out with that one for the next one. Every Sunday, people join the celebration of exploration of the deep things of God. Some catch wind of what God is doing through various modes of communication. Others find out because our people are fiercely loving people. Our church is on the move. Our church no longer is tame, no longer plays it so stinking safe. No. We take faith-filled risks because that's what love demands. That's what Jesus demands. Our church no longer moves at such a measured, cautious pace. We've moved out of the quicksand and stuck Satan there instead. We're running. We're living with a sense of urgency. Where's the urgency? It's all over us. Urgent discipleship wraps around us like a winter coat. Jesus said, why do you say four more months? Why? Lift up your eyes. Lift them up. Right now, I am moving. I am working. I am calling. I am ready. Are you? The time is now. This is the day of salvation, the favorable time of God's favor. This is how the church will explode with joy. This is how the beautiful mosaic of Boston will fill the seats of Medford High School. Every seat. Young and old, people of every color, it looks like heaven. Dozens of ethnicities, now one family. We are not focused on what we are not, but who God is and who we are in him. People are amazed, tatted up dudes working union jobs, chop it up with PhDs who couldn't hustle their way out of a paper bag. <laughs> Older women are showing younger women the way. Every Medford neighborhood has major representation, but that's not all. Every city around Medford is touched because God keeps touching people through our people. Scientists, coaches, 
Italians, tea drivers, neighbors, co-workers. God is alive. God is real. God is unignorable. The kingdom of heaven is touching earth. The glory of God shines brighter than every banner around Boston. Signs and wonders stop people in their tracks. People can't sleep because of the Spirit's work and because of our prayers and our witness. Story after story is told. They have to be told. We don't need Instagram for it. Insta couldn't keep up. We're tasting our own chapters of the book of Acts. The rich and poor come together. They have all things in common. They share the same name, same mission, same vision. Jesus. Kids and families overrun the Sunday lobby. Students are led with intentionality and tenacity. Love marks every relationship, every conversation, every connection. There is a magnetic quality about Redemption Hill because we are so full of Jesus, so full of the Spirit, so full, so full, so full, so full, so full. We can't help but overflow. Fear is finished. Freedom is our song. Speaking of songs, we not only write them, we sing them, and they transform the temperature of our church. It's hard to cool down a worshiping community. Sundays, fire nights groups are flooded with a hunger for God, a necessity to sing his praise. The diverse playlist stays on shuffle and repeat. It's our worship that makes way for revival, a people lit up, saturated with God. The rumblings of revival crescendo into the awakening of an awakening. People are getting saved every, seem to be getting saved every week because they are. We so frequently point people to Jesus that it would be next to impossible for dozens not to step into the life of Christ week after week. People are hearing from God and then speaking of God. We're talking Isaiah 50 in Acts 4 style. There is a, an echo reverberating on the daily. Giants go down 1 Samuel 17. Mountains bow down Zechariah 4. Idols fall. Judges 6. False gods are exposed. 1 Kings 18. Day after day, people sell it all to buy the treasure once hidden. Matthew 13, 44. There is an expulsive power of a new affection taking over as the Spirit leads people to a greater surrender. Galatians 5, Romans 8. Community is cultivated around Christ, not things in common. Acts 2 and 4. Restitution is happening in broken relationships, businesses, and communities. Luke 19, day after day, people hear the voice of Christ. Today, salvation has come to this house. Justice is rising as people are treated with dignity and grace. Matthew 12, our city knows the value we bring. The influence is undeniable. People almost resent the joy and gratitude they feel as the shalom of God spreads through the street. Jeremiah 29, Acts 8, 8. Stuff is happening like this. Addicts are free. The hungry have no needs. Healings blow people's minds. They can't unsee what they've seen. Businesses are flourishing. Schools are transforming. Marriage goes the distance. People want to know what's making the difference. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is our cry. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus never leaves our eye. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the one. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus gets the job done. 
Jesus, 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 more legendary than Larry. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Revival no longer tarries. The son of David fills the air. His peace replacing every anxiety and care. Counselors soon put out of commission. People so free, people so focused on the mission. God is doing something. The waves are coming. The waves are coming for this hour. What do we see? Waves of fire power. God himself flexing strength in every direction, like a chameleon blending in with our complexion. Climbing to a crest through the spirit inside our chest. Ready to break over and break through. Yes, ready to consume our ill-timed words, thoughts, and actions. Replacing them with his perfections. Hope for anxious despair. Peace calming every care. Justice for our hate. Kindness you'd want to imitate. Rest for our hurry. Forgiveness for every time they say, I'm sorry. Joy for the monotony, vision for all that's blinding me. Waves of mercy, waves of grace, waves of love for every race. Can you see? Do not fear. Dry bones walk, dead men hear. The voice of Christ, the voice of life. God is doing something. The waves are coming. So fan the flame, then make a toast, spread the news from coast to coast and everywhere throughout the land. This is the empowering presence of the great I am. We are not scared of the future. If he holds it, we hold it. We are not intimidated by opinions. If we know it, then we know it. What's understood is understood. We know who our God is. We know who we are in him. The battle is real, but won. So we keep marching and moving and soldier on. Let's take just a few moments to pray into this. God, we ask you. God, we ask you. God, we ask you that this this text and these truths, Lord, and these dreams and these prayers and this vision would do so much more than fall on our ears this morning. God, we're asking you that this, this truth and this vision, Lord, would fall on our heart today. God, we know that you are moving. God, you are moving right now. And you have plans and dreams for the city of Boston like We would not believe. And so God, help us see what you see. Help us live, Jesus, how you lived. Help us to move out each day with a sense of holy anticipation and urgency, Lord, because people deserve to hear this good news of the kingdom of God. Lord, we know that this won't happen apart from your Holy Spirit empowering us, moving us out, igniting our hearts and our faith day by day to live our lives for you. And so, God, we're just saying as individuals and collectively as Redemption Hill Church, Lord, that our yes is on the table. God, help us to put our yes on the table today. Jesus, we want to follow you. Jesus, we want you here. We want more of you here in this church and in this city. 
And so, Jesus, we pray as you taught us to pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done in Boston as in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And we're going to pray and we're going to respond as God leads us. And listen, I don't know where you are today, but I do know that God's heart is to come after your heart. And I know that God is so good that he, you haven't just been sitting there without God speaking to you. And so if there's a step that you need to take, would you, would you voice that to God right now? Listen, our prayer team is here. We are ready to pray with you, for you. If you've never decided to make Jesus the greatest priority of your life and you want to step into the life of Christ today, then just voice that to God. Share that with one of these prayer team members so they can pray for you. Maybe you're like, man, this church, it's all right. They know how to party and they got a decent vision and I want to be about it. And maybe it's just like, hey, I want to be more of a part of this church and just pray into that. Uh, perhaps there was a piece of the vision that you heard today either from Luke 4 or from our 2030 vision or this vision of a church on the move. Listen, whatever God is putting on your heart, would you not just sing a song today, God, but, but, but would you help us, God, to pray into that. I want to challenge you, pray into that. Come and pray with someone. Anything that's on your heart today, come and pray as we sing out our hearts to God.